Exactly right. And that goes back to the stress perception model and the stress management too, because having hobbies is actually a way of lowering your basic levels of tension. Welcome to the 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast. Join your host, Mark Slight, as he gets the best information, inspiration, help, and advice from the world's best athletes, performance coaches, and health experts so that you can look, move, and feel your best at 40 and beyond. Remember, it's never too late to live the life of your dreams. Now here's your host, Mark Slight. Are we ready? This is episode number 30 of the 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast and part three with Australian mental strength coach Brett Robbo. This is a fantastic little episode, mainly I <laughs> mainly for me because he sets me a little challenge in this one, uh, which is a challenge I've actually completed now. Um, you're going to find, I'm not going to say too much now, I'll talk about it at the end of the show. Um, but it's a great little challenge. I'm really, really pleased he said it for me. Um, it does highlight the difference, though, between living in Australia and living in Milton Keynes like I do. But uh, like I say, we'll get to that shortly. What's come up in this episode, then? It's a nice lighthearted end to the to the little series we've had this week, but still great information. Um, one thing that come up talking to talking to Brett and talking to a few other people around about this time is is hobbies. You know, it's, it's come up on the life wheel. What do you do in your spare time? And it was an area which I openly admit I scored about a two, um, two out of ten, because because I don't really have that many hobbies. I I love what I do. I've got my radio show. I've got my podcast. I work with athletes. I work I work with communities, and I absolutely love it. I I adore my job. I wouldn't have it any other way. But it doesn't tend to leave a lot of time for hobbies. And the hobbies that I do have tend to be focused around health and fitness, such as rock climbing, obstacle course racing, that kind of thing. Um, but it's just my life and I, I really wouldn't have it any other way. But I, I do feel that I could try and make some time in my life for some hobbies. So uh, again, uh, there's so many take-homes for me alone from this series with Brett. Um, I'm sure everyone's getting a lot of information from it as well. Don't forget to go over to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, uh, Please rate and review it as well, more so for people like Brett and the guests that come on because they come on and they give their time for free. And I'm, and I'm sure they'd love to know that the information they're giving is is really helping people. I, I know they'd love to know that. And I, I know whether you whether you review it or not, I know that it is helping people. And I always say that if I'm getting an abundance of information from them and like this, I'm getting takeaways all the time from Brett. I know if I'm getting it, I know everyone else is as well. But please, please, if you get a few minutes, just go over to iTunes and, and just, just write a few comments. Just let them know that what they're saying is actually reaching people and is uh, is giving people a lot of help, which I, I know it really is. Um, we're going to just touch on quickly today, striving for optimal health, which is really important and something Brett does all the time. And we're going to talk a little bit about his gorgeous fiance Marie again and how important it is to have that supportive partner. We talked about destructive relationships in the previous episode we're going to talk today about the, the benefits of a real positive partner and a really positive support network in today's episode. I'm not going to hold it up anymore because I really want you to get into this and listen to this. About 25 minutes long again. I actually thought we might uh, struggle in part three to fill the 20 minutes, but we had no problem. We actually had to edit a bit out and cut it a bit short because we just kept talking and talking. So without further ado, this is part three with Australian mental strength coach and creator of life that's living intentionally for excellence, Brett Robbo. Hello, mate. Part three, the very first part three with the same guest I've done. 
And, and I'm so glad it's with you and we can carry on with the mental strength work. It's fantastic. Like I said, at the end of part two, I'm extremely grateful to be able to provide value to people. So to be back on here and speaking to you and your abundant community, it, it fuels me. That's great. It's good. People are going to get so much from this. So we wrapped up part two, uh, it feels weird saying, with, um, with the life wheel, talking about how tough it was and how much of a struggle I found it, to, to be honest. Um, one of the, if I'm being really honest now, one of the toughest questions was around hobbies, um, what you do in your pastimes, that kind of thing. And I sat there and I thought, shit, I don't have any hobbies. I don't have a, a break because I, we spoke before we went on the podcast how much I love what I do. And that to me is my hobby, connecting with athletes, connecting with community um, personnel and, and helping people, talking to people like yourself on the podcast, being on the radio. I just love what I do. And I find that all my hobbies are focused kind of around this. Even if I say, okay, I like rock climbing, which I do, it's, it's still around health and fitness and it's enhancing my body and everything I do is tied to my health, my fitness and my values in some way or another. So one thing from the life where I said to myself, I've got to make some time for myself. And so many times I hear that from my clients that are, oh, they're so busy looking after their kids or their family or their friend that they're putting themselves at the very bottom of the list. And as you said earlier, if you're not looking after your own health, you can't show up in the, in the best version of Brett that should be showing up every day. So you've got to put yourself first and have that downtime. Exactly right. And that goes back to the stress perception model and the stress management too, because having hobbies is actually a way of lowering your basic levels of tension, your basic levels of stress, because otherwise we're just grinding, 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 or doing, 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 doing. Even when I'm exactly like you, mate, where everything I do, I love the podcasting, the physical coaching, the mental coaching, my therapy, community work, the well-being programs, everything I do, I love it. And it's really giving. But it's also very consuming of our energy. So if we don't take time to regenerate and recharge and tap into our values at different levels, then we can't keep giving at that level. So the hobbies aspect and that recovery method is a form of lowering your basic levels of tension so you can handle that extra stress and tension when it comes in. And you're not the only one. So many people actually find this as a big red light just saying, wow. And then you stop and think about it and think, why wouldn't I do more things for myself? Really? And a few of those things, like you said, around rock climbing and, um, even just being in nature, finding yourself in nature because you look back at that as energetic beings and in actual fact, the way that we respond better and refuel ourselves internally is to connect with nature. So a big thing around hobbies can be uh, doing something out in nature. It can be by yourself, it can be with others, but you've got to regenerate and recharge. So having hobbies isn't just about, people always think about it as an active sport and they think, well, I don't want to do that. But it's not like that at all. It's finding that time and, and creating space because otherwise we just, creating space in our mind, creating space in our life because otherwise we just keep jamming everything in there. And what we're doing there is we're just building up our basic levels of tension, our basic levels of stress. And then remember when I said before that you're, all that extra tension that will come at you because you haven't 
tapped into your hobbies and created any space in your life, you haven't got room for that stress. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like a breaking point, isn't it? If your basic level of tension is close to tipping point or breaking point, the minute anything extra comes in, it pushes you over the edge. But if your basic levels of tension are so far back, you don't even get close to the tipping point. I'm really glad you said about nature because when, when I was asked what I do in the, as hobbies, I said, well, I, I enjoy walking my dog. And, and some people see that as a chore, but I, just, I mean, he's, he's asleep in front of me now. And after this, I'll go and take him for a walk. And I absolutely love it. I switch the phone off. So a bit of a digital detox, which is also really important. And I go out and I walk him. And we talked about mindfulness, being present in the moment. I'm with him. I'm walking him. We're out for him. And I love it. And we're out for, we're going to go around a lake shortly. We'll be out for about an hour and a half. It's, I love it. I connect with people. I meet other humans. I, I, I meet other dogs. And it's just, it's a beautiful place to be. The sun's shining. And okay, that might be a chore to some people. But for me, that's a real release that I, and I love doing it. It's, it's, it is a hobby. Definitely. For those people that it's a chore to, maybe they shouldn't have a dog. Absolutely. But how many people, I, I don't know if you've probably heard this in your life at some point, oh, I've got to come home from work and I've got to walk the dog. Why is that an issue? For me, I'm like, okay, I'm coming home from work. I've been out doing a, a workshop or something. I'm buzzing. I want to get home. I know he's going to jump all over me. I want to see that. I want to feel that energy. And, and then I want to take him out because it makes him happy, makes me happy. And I can't wait to get home and do it. Other people don't always have that perception. They go, oh, I've got to come home. I've got to do this. And then I've got to do that. And again, mindset shift. Exactly right. You took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> also, when you walk the dog later and every time you do it while the weather's good enough, can you do me a favor and take your shoes off and get, get some earthing and some grounding while you're doing it? Walk on the grass, walk on the dirt with your shoes off because as it, another thing, as energetic beings, what we need to do to really connect with nature and it, you, if you look at the amount of hertz that we resonate at and the same as the planet, then there's a lot of research into this. For anyone listening to this going, this guy's weird. Look into earthing and you'll see that there's, there's a lot of evidence behind it. So it's um, even practiced with the Seattle Seahawks won the NFL Super Bowl a couple of years ago and they did that everywhere they went. And it came from their head therapist and Dr. Michael Gervais, who I've had on the podcast and their understanding of earthing and the stuff that he'd done with the coaches. And you see it a lot more now. It's happening here in the rugby league codes in Australia. I've known about it and practiced it for a few years. You talk to anyone when I was working as a full-time coach, even at our major competitions, wherever I could, I'd be barefoot. So I'd be walking around the warm-up track, the training track, uh, everywhere, barefoot as much as possible, just connecting with the earth. I do it. I coach even in the gym barefoot, but that's more around the workings of the foot and things like that. But as much as you can connect to the earth, the more that you can do that, the better. Yeah, I do it in certain places. The gym, I do it in the gym. Um, and I do it when I was on the radio station. I said to you before, I kick my shoes off and I just, I feel relaxed. I feel happy when I've got my shoes off. Where I'm walking my dog later, there's a lot of ducks. If I tread in duck shit and I'm barefoot, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you a message at three o'clock in the morning for you and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to moan about that. Um, I've got a question. What will that do? If you tread in duck poo, what will that do to you? absolutely nothing yeah I, I know exactly what happened i'll go oh calf trotting duck poo and i'll just i'll walk another yard i'll wipe my foot on some grass and that's it and i'll wait till i come home i'll put my socks back on and get in the car and come home and have a shower so it doesn't <laughs> I will, there's always that instant um where you how that's the best way to put it. you might drop the f-bomb once in a while if something really bad happens but you go oh dear there's that sigh and you think oh shit but 
that's as far as it goes. I'm not the person who's going to like start throwing my phone about and start having a tantrum. It's just like, oh, I wish that hadn't happened, but it has. And it's, it's in a way, it's kind of funny. You know, I exactly. You what, Do it because it's a new experience and see what happens from that. Because my, my dog, he's a lot of dogs roll in, in other animals crap. Mine doesn't. But the other week, he exactly where we're walking today, he rolled in the grass because he loves to do that. He's probably listened to your podcast about earthing. He loves to roll in the grass. <laughs> um, but he rolled in duck shit by mistake, not on purpose. And you do, you look at it, you go, I can't believe he's done that. But it's, it's kind of funny. All right, you've got to come home and bath him. But it's, yeah, it's a bit of a pain in, in some ways. But it's just, you just laugh at it and you just... He's going up to, to talk to other dogs and other people. And like, don't touch him. Don't touch him because, he, oh, he's so cute. Yeah, he is on that side. The other side, he's not quite so cute. <laughs> so, yeah, you just got to laugh about it and, and deal with it and move on. It's, it's not a problem. But I'll still send you a text message at 3 o'clock in the morning if I trade in duck shit. Please do. I'll have my phone <laughs> off, but I'll love to wake up too. Actually, I, I wake up and I don't look at my phone for a few hours or a couple of hours. So whenever I get to it, if you've tried induction, I'll think, well, I'm glad that Mark's had a different experience today. <laughs> You'd be grateful for it. But that is the thing. Like We're joking about it, but be grateful that you've been in a position to do that. Be grateful that simple things that you've got your legs, you're out walking, there's fresh air, you've got the dog with you. If I didn't have him, I'd be really sad. So all right, I've trolling duck shit. It's not ideal, but I'm out with the dog, which is making me happy. So it's a small price to pay for that. Exactly. Now, optimal health. Um, we've talked a lot about everything, spiritual health, mental health, physical, nutrition. Um, we talked about nutrition off air as well. I know you're sitting there eating a, drinking a kale smoothie and kombucha. It's really, really important. But that all becomes you working at your optimal best, becoming working on optimal health, not just not just a diet, not just eating less carbs or, or losing a little bit of weight, but working on your whole self. How would you describe your optimal health? The life wheel that you refer to is part of your optimal health. So we need to look at the seven key areas of life. So every area is as important as each other. And it's not that optimal health to me is not having a 10 out of 10 in each area. I actually don't know if that's possible. And if it is, I'd be saying to people, are you being brutally honest with yourself? Optimal health is not grinding to me to make an amazing business and then putting your relationships on the side, putting your nutrition on the side, not tapping into your spiritual health, not respecting your physical health just to earn millions of dollars. That's not optimal health. Optimal health is not being as physically fit as possible and grinding away and training heaps and people say, oh my God, you're, you're amazingly fit, well done. But once again, you're putting your relationships on hold. You're not tapping into your hobbies like we talked about before. You're not tapping into that spiritual health. Maybe your nutrition isn't great. Your sleep's not awesome. You're not breathing properly. So optimal health is looking for more of a balance throughout all the areas. So optimal health to me is, is an understanding of those key areas of life and then actually tapping into them, paying respect to each of them and putting your time and effort into and developing the helpful habits in each of those areas. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's awesome. I, it reminds me actually back to a previous episode, I can't remember the number, when I talked to your fiancé on the podcast because I had her on before you obviously because she brings more value. But, uh, <laughs> but we talked about this and the external appearance of someone doesn't necessarily mean that they're healthy or they're fit. And I use the example of guys in the gym. Um, they look amazing, 
they look really good, but then they'll come outside and they'll be smoking. And that's not healthy. That's not optimal health. Um, and it can be very deceiving to look at someone and think they've got their shit together. They're, they're good. They're fit. They're healthy. But it's all the little things they're not doing that are not helping them. Exactly. And then if you take away, what about people that are physically fit, they're eating amazingly, they're not smoking, they're not drinking, their relationships are great, uh, they're earning good money, things like that, but then they, they're not tapping into their mental and emotional health. So how often do you see that with people where they have mental breakdowns and depression is massive and suicide where people say, oh my God, I thought that person had everything going for them. So when you look at optimal health from that regard, and that's what back to your very first question in episode one, when you asked me about the why mental strength is important, because it runs everything. We can't have that uneven wheel. So when I look at optimal health in that way, it doesn't matter. You know, you can take uh, all the, the smoking and the drinking and all those really unhelpful habits away. But if people aren't tapping into and paying respect to each key area of their life, then there's going to be a weaker link and you can guarantee that you're only ever as strong as your weakest link. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's, let's go back to Marie quickly because we talked, we talked about you a little bit when she come on the podcast, it would be very harsh if I didn't talk about Marie on your, on your episode. Um, but you, you've got a very good relationship. You're both coaches, which, which helps. So you're both, got similar values similar visions and you're both aligned in, in everything you do which is fairly unique to be fair not everyone is going to be married or engaged to another coach but how important is the support from both of you to each other's optimal health how 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 much does that advance you to have marie's support with you all the time it's it, honestly it's everything it is absolutely everything i I get tingly even just thinking about this. Like I feel, I honestly feel like um, that Marie and I met at the right time in our lives too. Like she's gorgeous on the inside and out. She's amazing. Our core values are very aligned. Our relationship is, is amazing, but it takes work and we're really honest with each other. We have such open communication and we challenge each other. And sometimes I've got to catch myself and think, Oh, like I start to, we had this conversation not long ago that because we, we, we operate at the same frequency so often and we're, we love all the same things and our values are so aligned that life is amazing most of the time, but then I'll have ideas or she'll have ideas or we'll want to do different things and we might challenge each other in different ways or I'll have an idea and she'll challenge me to go deeper and say why why or how and things like that. And I, I have to catch myself sometimes because I've thought, why isn't she just agreeing? Why, why is she not agreeing with this? Like what, what, she's trying to pick me to pieces and then I realize, no, hang on. She's actually trying to make me better. She's actually making sure that I know what I'm talking about and where I'm trying to go. She's actually bringing out the best of me in this way. It's not in a pick, nitpicking way that she's trying to better her. Uh, prove that she's better it's that she's trying to bring the best out in me so in answer to your question it's it's everything in terms of my optimal health like relationships is one of the areas that we have to work on and we friendships parents um and my relationship with marie and we've made a pact to each other that we will always 
look to enhance our relationship. So even at times like now when things are just going so smoothly and we're loving life and everything we're doing is amazing and we're buzzing off each other's energy, we still say to each other, what can we do to make this even better? And that, that led us to the other day, we actually did a three-hour workshop with uh, doing the acro yoga and that connect and it was acro therapeutic. So you're upside down and balancing on each other and uh, treating each other and doing all these cool, funky things. And we just felt so connected in that way, just small things like that. And we walked out of there, just arms around each other, so happy, gave each other a big kiss and said, I feel so connected to you in a way that I haven't been connected before. And we've been together for years and known that our relationship is amazing. So, and we, we've made that pact to always work on it in that way. That's yeah. What what an amazing relationship to have, and obviously work like I say because you're both coaches, so you you're working together all day in, in in a lot of ways as well, which helps. But at the same point, that brings its own challenges, doesn't it? Because if if you're a uh, a different couple where you both go to different jobs every day, and then you come home and you see each other for three to four hours, that can be that can be a really good thing because you've missed each other all day. But you and Marie see a lot of each other all day, which presents its own challenges because it can be hard to be with the person you love all day, every day, because let's be honest, you can start to get on each other's nerves after a little while. So it just makes everything that we're talking about in these three episodes so important because yeah, you probably would drive each other nuts if you wasn't working on all this stuff in the background. Exactly right. And we know now we have our, they're not even written rules or rules in that way, but we'll work on things and we'll say, all right, we might be right beside each other, but we're like, oh, I'm not even here for the next 30 minutes. I'm not here for the next hour. We do some Pomodoro techniques where we'll go 40 minutes on, 10 minutes off. And we just say, tune in out and she's got her work, I've got mine, but sometimes we do need to work together. But then in those breaks, we'll be silly little kids, we'll be jumping around or we'll be having a conversation and enjoying each other's time and then we go back to what we're doing. So it, it does present its own challenges. And you say, like, it, it is amazing that we're both coaches, but we haven't always both been coaches in the relationship. Marie was a professional full-time athlete and I was coaching her towards the end of her career and I was her therapist. So we've had different aspects of the relationship in that way. And now that we are both coaching, but she's still got different work that she does and she's got her own group of friends and her community around the work and so do I in other areas but we're so supportive of each other when we're not together I know that she's off uh, still resonating highly with her core values and we've spent chunks of time on opposite sides of the world but so supportive of each other because we know I knew she's off chasing her goals and visions and you know enhancing her life and optimizing her values and I was doing the same at the other end of the world so it presents its challenges and it's from those challenges that we've made those packs and we do that work to make sure, okay, let's understand that these challenges are to make us a better couple and more, not just resilient because we can handle fights. It's resilience from an emotional resilience perspective where we understand that we're both on emotional roller coasters because we're human. And one thing that I do instinctively is that when I see Marie, I just have this beaming smile. She'll walk in the door from work and I have a beaming smile. She'll come up the stairs in the morning, I'll have this beaming smile. And when we just sort of catch each other's eye, I'll have a beaming smile because it, it's true. Like I, I still see her. This might sound a bit, and I'll say it anyway, but I still see her from the day. I still remember her eyes and her smile the day that we met. 
the day that we met in 2012. And I, I often see that look on her face and I remember that feeling. So yeah, challenges are in any regard, just make us stronger. So I think if anyone's listening to this in any form of relationship, open communication is best too, because we only operate on our own perceptions. So when, if Marie is challenging me or disagreeing with me, I've got to understand that that's not because of uh, me, that's because of her view and her perception. So just having that open communication, I always say that I listen with the intent to understand, not with the intent to respond. So when she's challenging me now, I have to catch myself and say, hang on, I'm trying to understand what she's saying. Yep, okay, yep, filter that information, respond, don't react. Yep, okay, cool. (laughs) And and not be defensive as well. Be open to to the sort of criticism because it's coming from a place of love as well. Um, So yeah, just catch yourself and think, well, I'm not going to jump down her throat and be defensive and say, no, you're wrong. Okay, why are you saying this to me? I know you love me. I know you're coming from a place where you want me to be better. So I'll take it in and take it on board and, and see what I can do with that. But Exactly. And yeah, okay. sorry. No, 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 I was just going to say that sometimes I do get defensive because for whatever reason, I might be that little bit frustrated or a little bit angry with something else I'm doing. And then, and then she challenges me and I might be a little bit defensive, but I know now enough to come back to that and say, babe, I'm sorry. That was actually the wrong thing to do and it's never abusive and never putting each other down but it might just be that little snap and and i and we come back to that and i unpack and i say just to let you know this is where i was coming from it wasn't because of you it was this and this and then yeah that that open communication really allows us to build strength from that as opposed to holding on to it and then bringing it up weeks later and saying well what about when you said this and what about when you said that we don't we honestly don't have those moments no that's good because because women have got a good memory you know, you could say something, <laughs> wrong, say something wrong in January and they'll remember it in July. And you're like, I can't remember what I said in January. So yeah, it's good. It's good to have that constant communication. Um, we've talked a lot about every subject, I think, which has been great, which is why we've got into part three. Now we're coming to the end of part three. And for people who are listening to all of this, they will think, well, I, I'm probably a million miles away from where we're, where we are, where we're talking about probably haven't got values set don't know a vision I, I don't know how to how to begin if someone's listening and they've never touched on any of this where would you advise that they start right now they want to come off this podcast they want to improve their life they want to improve their mental strength mental toughness how do they begin best thing to do is be brutally honest with yourself and start writing stuff down so from your experience with the program, the biggest challenges you had was when you wrote stuff down. And like I said earlier, that people can listen to podcasts and watch documentaries and be podcast addicts like I am and just listen and say, yeah, I know what to do. I know what to do. I know what to do. Oh yeah, that's me. That's me. That's me. But you never write anything down and you never be brutally honest with yourself. So therefore you won't make change. So the best place to start is to actually ask yourself the tough questions, but answer them pen to paper and be brutally honest with yourself. So the life world that we referred to before is an amazing tool. Um, Your values, that's hard, deep, reflective work. That takes time. When I give it to people, I say it should take you weeks because there's questions in there that are hard to answer. You're going to have to come back to it and then come back to it again and then come back to it again. So in, in short, I would say just be brutally honest 
take profound responsibility for your thoughts, your feelings and behaviors and start to journal it, start to write things down. Ask yourself questions, create those mindset shifts. And on top of that, obviously, within the program, the mental strength training program, that's why we put everything into that program and deliver all that material. And participants have that material forever. Yeah, yeah. You're you spot on. I mean, I've, I've got a diary, well, not a diary, a, a notepad in front of me, and I started to write things down. And I, so I know you do something similar, but at the start of every year, I'll say, what happened last year? What went well for me last year? What didn't? What do I need to do this year? And I'm constantly going back to it thinking, okay, well, I've said I need to do these seven things this year. Have I, it's halfway through the year. Have I done them? Am I getting closer to them? No. If I didn't write them down, I'd have forgotten what I wrote down in January. or forgot what I talked to myself about in January. Writing things down also makes things a little bit clearer. You don't realize maybe if I write down relationship needs to improve. Okay. Why? Why does that need to improve? And when you actually sit written down in front of you, it makes a big difference to just say it in your head, go, oh yeah, I need to do such and such, but yeah, I'll do that tomorrow. When you write it down, you just, it's like saying it back to yourself. It seems to stick. And not just the why, then it's the how. So why does it need to improve? Answer that question. How can I improve it? Yeah. And that starts to make you ask the questions that will lead you to improvement because you might not know the answer and you think, well, I don't know how but maybe someone else does. So how am I going to improve it? I'm going to find and connect with a mentor or a coach or a podcast or someone that can teach me how. Yeah. My, my first answer was always in, internal. Um, okay, the relationship might suck. Why? It's easy to blame the other person. Maybe it's how I'm showing up. So I'll change how I show up in the relationship first. If it still sucks, then okay, then maybe we need to look at changing or ending the relationship. excuse me, but I can't judge that unless I'm showing up as my best version of myself every day. Exactly right. And that's that values-based person, right? Being that best version of yourself. And what I say to people is when they're like, yeah, but I need to be a different person at work. And then I'm a different person around my family. And then I have to be a different person around my friends. And I think that's exhausting. And it's also confusing. So then how do you know who you're supposed to be when you're around a different group? And then do you go into a different circumstance and think, oh no, this is where I've got to be that person. But then what if two of those communities get together? Which person are you? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. We have to know who our true core self is and be that person. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, but when we done the, um, the 40-40 challenge at the start of the year, my mindfulness challenge, that was exactly what I said. I wanted to show up as the same person in every situation. So I didn't want to do a public speaking gig and think, who do I need to be now? It needs to be the same person in every situation, exactly as you've just said. Um, that's part three done. Even that's been quite long. Um, that's been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for sharing everything. Um, I say everything. It feels like we've just scratched the surface really, but it feels like quite a lot. Um, but thanks for sharing that. I know everyone's going to get a ton of value and uh, it's, it's been amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for letting me take more of your time and more of your listeners time. And you're right. We have just scraped the surface and that's the beauty of life that we're here for a long time and we can actually take time and go back to one of your questions earlier. Let's look at things as not trying to make drastic change. Let's make a marginal improvement in each area. Yeah. A 30 second habit change every, every day can, can be huge. So. Absolutely. Thank you, mate. Go and enjoy the rest of your evening and, uh, and we'll catch up again soon. 
Thanks again, Legend, and thanks again to all the listeners. Super grateful to be able to provide value. Well, I've, I've got to say I'm a little bit sad now because I know this week's coming to an end. I know these episodes have, have just come to an end. But what a fantastic trio of episodes that really was. And I'm really, really excited to see how well Brett and, and Marie compare in the download charts because I know... I know both of them and I know they both they both live a fantastic life and they give an abundance of information to their local community and to the international community as well. And, and they work in different fields and, and they just bring a huge amount of energy and passion and excitement and happiness and gratitude to, to everyone they touch. I know they do. I know people that are connected to Brett and Marie and every single person has a fantastic word or a fantastic hundred words or more to say about them. So Please go over. If you haven't listened to Marie's podcasts, um, I don't know if I should be saying this really, if they're in a little bit of a competition, <laughs> go back and listen to Marie's podcasts as well. Um, she's my second guest on the podcast, so that'll be episodes four and five, I believe. Um, but please go back and listen to them. You're going to get a ton of information from that as well. Now, if this wasn't exciting enough, if this wasn't good enough for you already, coming up next week, I've got to say, we have one of the most beautiful guests on the podcast that I've, I've ever had. Um, sometimes when you connect with people, you don't realize how how powerful it's going to be, how well connected you're going to be. And Kirsten Davis, who's coming on next week from The Food Remedy, we've only connected fairly recently before the podcast. And, and we sat and we, we talked for ages. And that's why we got three parts out as well, because she's got so much to say, so much good information to give. But just the thing that comes across with some people, we had it with Anna Marsh on a previous episode, just a beautiful person, a beautiful soul. And you just you're absolutely going to love it. And the fact that after um, after we recorded on social media, Kirsten referred to me as the male version of herself. Um, to me, that's a huge compliment because I was I was so impressed with Kirsten and, and the way she worked, the way she lived. I loved it. So to be called the male version of her was was a huge compliment. But if you like what you hear on the podcast and if you like my message and the message of my guests, because I'm only getting guests on that I resonate with. So if you're listening and you're a regular listener and you're a subscriber, you're going to absolutely love Kirsten's message. And particularly if you loved Anna Marsh's episodes, which I know a lot of you did, you're really going to love these next three episodes from Kirsten. So don't miss that. As always, guys, thank you so much for listening. Please head over to iTunes. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on Kirsten's episodes next week. But thanks again. We love it. Brett said thank you a few times there. We absolutely love doing these podcasts so we can help as many people as possible and reach as many people as possible and hopefully trying to inspire and bring that energy into your life as well. Take care, guys. Have a fantastic few days and we'll speak to you again in episode 31 with Kirsten Davis from The Food Remedy.